When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Jenny, and this is my Sonobello story. I've always fought my problem areas where the stubborn fat and inches accumulate. But after the stress of being a nurse and working through COVID, my problem areas became a bigger problem. That's when I decided enough. I'd known about Sonobello, and as a nurse, I was fascinated by their micro laser fat removal, where in one visit, I could lose the extra fat and inches permanently. It was a great experience, and my problem areas aren't a problem anymore. I'd encourage anyone who struggles with stubborn fat and inches to go to Sonobello. Being a nurse, Jenny did her research, and the more she read about Sonobello and their amazing microlaser fat removal technology, the more she was impressed. How in one visit, she'd be free of the fat from her tummy, sides, back, and thighs, and it's not coming back. Live your best summer and experience microlaser fat removal for yourself. And right now, you'll save $250. Schedule your visit at sonobello.com slash save. That's sonobello.com slash save. Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the fighting. 
Spurs bottlers? I don't think we are bottlers. No, I think you have to be in control of your own destiny in order to bottle something. And we've been chasing consistently across the season and chasing pretty well, actually. Better than last year. We haven't crumbled like we did at certain points. Can, can bottlers get 27 out of 30 points available? No. It's madness. 100% no. That's an amazing run. That's like Arsenal end of season for the last how many, God knows how many years. And we, we hate them for doing it. No, I think so Alex Ferguson has only bettered that run twice in his 26 years at Man U and right. even longer so that just shows how massive the run is um, I keep referring to the league table after game week 19 and we were 10 points behind Chelsea Liverpool were 6 points adrift Arsenal were 9 so we were we were 4th in the league at that stage so, we, so um, we've right. we've made up an awful lot of ground with injuries as well you know yeah. we've had key players out in that time whereas Chelsea arguably does it, does it bother you does it bother you this bottling stuff because it's got a lot of Spurs fans very angry um, it doesn't bother me because um, if they're all reversed I'd say it too because it annoys people Yeah, and the fact that Spurs fans are responding it's I mean I don't know I mean if someone's a doubt with Spurs and Spurs fans are reacting I'd say it even more it's, it's narrative it's narrative yeah but it, it, it's also the way trolling works yeah. so it, these people are trying to wind you up they're not concerned with facts they're not concerned with with logical argument they're not going to respond when you come back to them and say 27 points out of 30 is not bottling it being in control of the league was never in our destiny and if we were in control of the league we would have bottled it so therefore we couldn't have they're not interested in any of that. No. They all they want to see is your reaction. Always. Always. Exactly that. So all you need to do is just don't just don't react. I know that's really hard sometimes, because I'll get wound up. It took me a long time to realise this on social media, as you know. I used to try and respond intelligently and diplomatically to yeah, in the untold hope, abuse. In the hope of, of, of reasoning with better judgment. It's it's impossible. That's not the way the internet works. We know this. We know it comes down to politics to do with Brexit to do with Le Pen and fucking Macron is it Macron or Macron yeah you saw the fallout to all of this stuff it's always just about one-upmanship and it's the most basic thing and and, and, and the minute you win is when you don't engage so like Spurs fans do yourself a favour like if you can if you find it within you not to get wound up by it and simply just and it isn't easy because my my timeline is filled with people saying we didn't bottle I'm like who are you telling? Yeah. Who are you convincing yourself? Don't worry about it. Me. No one, all the journalists no one cares. But I don't. I mean, I don't care. I mean, who cares? We lost the game. It happens. What? I do kind of enjoy all the journalists sticking up for us, though. There's a lot of journalists who people sort of perceive as being anti-Spurs, yeah. and this week there have been articles written saying Spurs haven't bothered that they've been the best team in the league over the last two years. That. Even Conte said we were the best best team in the league. I mean, I think there's a little bit of a sort of subtle dig. Machiavellian dig in that and yeah. it, didn't he also say today that um, we've had an advantage over them yeah, um, because Pochettino's three years into his project well, they've <laughs> had an advantage over us because they've got all the money a blank check yeah. <laughs> they've got a blank check they're not in Europe um, Aiden ha- Hazard can change a game like that so. they've had no injuries he's trolling don't worry yeah, about that. I've bitten, I've bitten badly. Uh, we've got uh, some big, big news. Um, sorry, I'm fucking leveled up here. Big, big news. Um, we've got a live show for the end of season, the fighting cock, end of show, end of season, big shindig. We're going to get pissed together, uh, but not only getting pissed together, all the people that, that, that come along get to get pissed with them as well, but also 
uh, Mickey Hazard, uh, big friend of the show, and one Graham Roberts. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be a great. We're going to have a great time. We're going to. It's going to be Wednesday, twenty fourth of May. Um, yeah, Graham Roberts, Mickey Hazard coming down. We'll be speaking to both. Uh, for an hour or so, you know, talking about their careers, but also more about the stories. And one of the things I really want to nail down is why they hate Arsenal so much, because it's great when you hear ex-players talking about why they hate Arsenal. I'm sure he's been asked about the Charlie Nicholas tackle over and over again. Yeah, he put him in the so stand. We've got, we've, got to talk about, we've got to talk about that, obviously. There's all kinds of things. Everyone who's listening to this is going to get an opportunity to send in their questions that we can pose to both players, but obviously want to thank both of them for agreeing to come down. It's going to be at the Working Men's Club on Pollard Road uh, in Bethnal Green. Um, tickets will be available as soon as you hear this uh, the £20 and uh, yeah, you'll be able to find them on the fightingcock.co.uk and through social media so if you're interested in getting pissed up on and celebrating what an amazing season it's been at Tottenham then uh, why not do it with us because you know Wednesday night who's got anything to do on a Wednesday night it's a great way to spend a Wednesday yeah. maybe get Thursday off that's I no wish problem. I, I can't. <laughs> I've got issues there. I'm uh, I'm going on holiday on the, on the Thursday. Oh, yeah, I'm oh, going to Croatia. So I'm hoping Croatia is amazing, by the way. Thank you. I'm I, not, I, went, I, went, I, I went last month. I had nothing awesome. to do with building Croatia at all. Well done, Flav. Did you? Did you have a good time? Yeah, it was wicked. Yeah, all right, I'm just hoping I'll be able to get on the plane after uh, after that Wednesday night. It's going to be fantastic. So uh, yeah, remember, just keeping out on that social media. Love the shirt on Twitter, Facebook, and thefightingcock.co.uk as well. Okay, so we've done, we've done the bottle of stuff, but there's no denying that Friday night, Upton Park, that's oh, Upton Park, I'm sorry, the London Stadium, very, very disappointing. Um, but in my opinion, it was disappointing because West Ham were defensively sound, but it was disappointing just because we didn't win. And I know that sounds like an obvious thing, but I think had... Kane's toe poke or Ali had managed to bury his chance it had either of those just been an inch and that's a game of inches and all that cliche stuff we'd be talking about a different game I know it was frustrating anyway how did it go on lads what do you think well um, <clears throat> the way they set up if we'd have scored first it would have been a very very different game I know it's a cliche again mm. but the more the longer it was nil nil the more it suited how they were set up and how they were playing um it was a very frustrating defeat, but I'm at pains to say that um, we can't take anything away from a good performance by West Ham. Um, Bilic has something over Pochettino. I think they've faced each other it four times now, and yeah. I think the last three, the last three games, they've really struggled with, with how West Ham um, shape up and how they've faced. They're three at the back, and I think we, we struggled a lot. And it's just one of those one of those games. I think after a defeat like this, you kind of try and want to pin it down to one particular thing and just say. Oh, this is the reason we lost that game, and that's this is why it's different from all the games that we won recently. But actually, I think this was a imperfect storm of lots of different things coming at once and and scuppering us a bit. You've got West Ham's um, tactics, brilliant, organised. Went to, <coughs> I see, you said three at the back. Actually, it's probably five at the back for the most of the game. They were yeah. bunkered in with um, a deep midfield as well. Um, our tactics, we weren't playing our three at the back. We had. Two at the back with Dyer and Wanyama in midfield, which we know is far from ideal. And the full-backs were pushed really, really high still, which was actually quite problematic, and we kept getting caught out on the flanks. Um, the mentality post-Arsenal, which Hugo's dug the players out on a little bit in the, in the week. And then you've got narratives such as Kyle Walker um, and, the, and the bottling mentality. And I think um, Walker's got a lot of criticism post-game 
but I actually thought he was all right. I thought he was fine. I so thought did I. He played the three best passes of the match. Um, and on the whole, we had a reasonable game. He's probably one of the better performers. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think, like you said, because of the narrative around him, you can't, people, I think, were willing to jump on him. Confirmation and, bias, I think. Yeah. Um, he, he didn't have his best game, but then no one did. No. And I, I thought he did look dangerous at times. He played a couple of really lovely balls, but... I think it was Son in behind. Yeah, yeah, Son and Ericsson. Yeah, uh, but both again would should have done better with their, with their final balls. And again, on another game, they would have found their man and, and, and finished. And I, I didn't really have any issue with Walker's performance. So I was kind of, I was the same. Though. I was looking at it, thinking, you know, he, 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 he seemed to want it. He, he was professional in it. Yeah. You can't escape the rumours, but again, you don't know how much is true. Exactly, this all, is it. All that's been reported is conjecture, but then when Charlie Parrish was on, he said that, you know, generally, these stories get out because the players and agents want them to, so... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think... No, I actually did think he played badly. I know I probably followed the narrative, but um, he seemed a bit all at sea. I don't know if that was down to his windy Saturday, he's pushing up higher, and West Ham set up in a way where they're getting in behind him and punishing any mistake he made... Um, there are a few, I think defensively is, is just, um, I think the the point of the game where Alderweireld and Lloris are looking at him is as if to say, what the fuck are you doing kind of thing. Uh, I don't know if the rest of the defence had any confidence in him, but, you know, now I've had time to kind of absorb the game. Maybe he, was, maybe he wasn't our worst player, but it probably stands out more that he was, um, him being the fullback that fits our system the best more than Davis it's probably more noticeable him than, than Davis having a bad game did it ruin your weekend? yeah 100% I hate Friday night football now I never, I never want to see his plan on Friday again <laughs> so good if you win yeah if you win it would be awesome but the risk of not winning means it's not worth it I hated it really like it was playing on my mind all weekend I woke up Saturday morning feeling miserable yeah. nothing good can come from the rest of the results yeah nothing Go on. No, I mean, a few good things did come from the rest of the results, in a way. What? I mean, Arsenal winning, Arsenal winning is bad generally, but Man U stopped their race for fourth place a little bit, and Liverpool started as well. So that was that was somewhat helpful. Mm. So, but um, but, but no, Friday night football would be good. I mean, if you go into the game, I was offered a ticket very late on, but I couldn't take it. But if you go into the game, it's awesome. You just get smashed and have two days to recover from it. Yeah, but you, you, recovering physically is one thing because I can generally recover pretty much straight away from the physical abuse that I do to my body. You're made of titanium, so that's fine. <laughs> but but what I, I, I actually both it's amazing when you nine wins on the bounce. Like it's, you can be philosophical about a defeat after winning nine on the bounce, but it's so hard to be. And and I. And I was kind of reinforcing it. You were saying that. You were saying that straight away. I know. No, I was like, I need to process this shit first before I say that. But it was almost for myself. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. And when you said it, T, when you said, "Look, I don't want to hear that right now. I just need to get think about what just happened and process what happened." I was like, you know what? Fair enough. (laughs) Because there's nothing more irritating than just some guys going, "Yeah, but we're still fucking great. We're still going. We've just got beat by West Ham." Yeah. And and obviously their fans enjoyed it massively. I was the same during the game. I kept telling myself, "We're going to. It's okay. We're going to score in a second I was convinced we were as well. And I think partly it's because we were doing okay. We weren't completely collapsing. We were a bit vulnerable on the break, but we were doing okay. When you think about the Swansea game, I mean, that game was pretty pretty dark. Similar game. It's a very <laughs> similar game. That was a really dark game. Yeah. So just, we just thought that would happen again. Thought, there, oh, you know, all... there was a geezer. There was a geezer tweeting, love the shirt, and, and someone else, um, after the Swansea game, going, 
it wasn't good enough. It wasn't like this is, you know, this is Frouty's. I can't remember exactly what he was saying, but it was some stuff. He wasn't happy with the Swansea performance. And to a certain degree, you understand, but we did dominate them pretty much. And we deserved to have a 3 1 lead, even though the goals came late. But the guy, after this, suddenly started tweeting again, but responded to the thread we were talking about a month ago to Swansea. And he was like, see? And he was like, Mate, you waited a month to say that. You've been waiting. You've been sitting there waiting to pounce. And I don't what get sometimes... What a life. I don't get the misery merchants that are out there. They're, they're almost like they, they'll use an opportunity for, for Spurs... When Spurs are doing poorly, to force their negativity and the, the way they're feeling on side, inside onto others. Because for some reason being right in that instance makes them feel better fuck what it does to anyone else you're talking to doesn't matter if it makes them feel bad as long as you feel better spilling your fucking vitriol I don't know it winds me up it's like fuck it it's like social vampires yeah like you know some people you meet and they're poisonous yeah and they just all they do is exude negativity yeah not on my watch fuck off I hate it but but we've lost four games in the league this season we could remember all of our defeats I remember years gone by when I couldn't even remember all of our defeats because there's so many of them, you know. You um, to remember our wins. <laughs> exactly, we had nine in a row of them, you know. And um, I think I think now I feel a bit more philosophical about the whole thing. Um, we pushed Chelsea close, we pushed Leicester close last year. Um, I do take issue with Hugo's interview saying that we're weak mentally because you've got to see that before as a captain you've got to see that before the game Does it, were those his specific words we were he, mentally weak he, or we are weak mentally he said we're tired physically mentally the difference is mental you have to cope on the pitch and get the result that you need we're not capable of doing we were not capable of doing more for fatigue yeah that's exactly. fatigue that's definitely saying we're weak mentally that's what the it's not your fault you no. just, you're just paraphrasing what it was in your brain but that this is the problem when, when, when interviews get turned out of out of yeah, out of context. Yeah, but there's every reason to be fatigued. The month we've just had has been a bit crazy. Like the ups and downs have been yeah. insane. Yeah, the they, they're, they're enough for us, let alone actually playing in those matches and being part of that team. The FA Cup in itself was a pretty traumatic day, really, because we played really well and you go away having kind of been thrashed a little bit. Conceded four goals yeah. against one of our closest rivals. We don't ever concede four goals. Really. Yeah. And then you've got the jubilation of the Arsenal game, and and but part of you is kind of not fully convinced by that because Arsenal was so bad. You're kind of thinking, yeah, we did great, but are we back to our best yet? And so you've got that kind of doubt hanging over you a little bit. Yeah. And now this. And now this, indeed. Um, did Rachel bother you what Rachel Riley said about Butler's? Was, was this? So give me because I didn't see it. I didn't, she was on Sky Sports. I didn't see it. No, it's Sky Sports. Yeah, sorry. I didn't see her say, but I saw there was a bit of backlash, and the following morning I realised it was her that said she could say whatever she she wanted to me. (laughs) Like if she was talking to me down the phone line saying Spurs are bottlers, I could not one out. I could not one out. (laughs) You probably not going to have taken a shit really. Put the phone to her bum. That's too much. Put the phone to her bum. What? (laughs) Put the phone to her bum. I mean, I thought you said you could. There's no cameras here. You could probably not one out to her while she's on countdown. One hundred percent could do that. Absolutely, but I'm not sure the phone to her ass while she's nah. This is real geezer content. By yeah, the way. yeah. Uh, but I'd, have to, I'd have to go to try and avoid being. What about the battery? Do you want to top one from the bottom? She, <laughs> she, she, she probably isn't trolling. She's just presenting. No, I think I think what happened was she was in the studio with um, Thierry Henry, who doesn't even hide that he hates Spurs, which and I love. 
And you've got um, Alan Pardew, who's an ex-West Ham manager. Mm. And you've got Jamie Radnap, who's probably got his own issues with Spurs. So yeah. she's around those three poisonous people. And they're <laughs> saying what they're saying. She's probably just kind of like, yeah, they're bottlers, yeah. You know, trying to, get, trying to get involved. And I thought, well, I don't, I don't understand why she'd say that. And what annoys me about her appointment on Sky is that there are plenty of good um, Sky Sports presenters, um, you know, Natalie Sawyer, Kirsty Gallagher... Um, Hedy McKinnon. Any of them could have gone on there and fighted that show. Yeah. But they picked they picked her. They plucked her from Channel Four. I think I, I think she's a little out of her depth on, on, on that show. You mean she doesn't understand football? She does know she, football. In she, she does know football a fair bit, but I think she is she a gooner? No, Manu. she's Manu. <laughs> and you know her, her dad. And they can't even finish above us. They can't finish above us. Her dad's from Manchester, I think, and took her. When she's from Southend. Whatever. Um, that's by the way. Let's move on. All right, we've got a question from Jean Jean Robert Tankred. Tankred. Um, does the hatred from opposing fans and parts of the press fill you with extra pride or how do you cope with all the snide remarks um, after the defeat to West Ham? Do you, you cover that a little bit? Yeah, but are you, do you... Do you... When... I don't... Honestly, I don't feel anything at all. I mean, it's better than being a joke. Like, people hating you, being snide remarks and, and, and uh, being um, joyous in your failure... That shows that you're doing something right. Yeah. You know, um, it was better than... It's better, you know, it wasn't better when Arsenal would dismiss Spurs because we were nowhere near them and they would hate Chelsea more than us. Hate Man U more than us. Huh? Hate Man U more than us. Yes. I'm pretty sure now there's not a gooner on earth that doesn't fucking hate Tottenham's guts and that is the way it's supposed to be. We have forced them, (laughs) we've forced them to recognise us and not only need to recognise us, we've then stuck our dicks down their throats when they've opened it open their mouth to, to give some do you know what I mean exactly it's, it's beautiful and the way it should be it's just a shame that it takes performance on the pitch for it to happen but I, I, the answer to the question is I don't feel anything I don't care really what other people talk I, about and talk about Spurs. I think I said last season I don't, people don't hate on things that are irrelevant when Spurs are bad people hated us but it wasn't vitriolic as it is now Yeah, um, I've seen so many tweets on, on, on Twitter that um no, we're media darlings, you know, we've won nothing this season and all the media love Spurs and blah, 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 blah. But we've got the sixth biggest, um, is it the wage bill or spend? Yeah. And we're overachieving. You know, why shouldn't that be lauded? I mean, we're in an age where Emmanuel Ban Griezmann, who is not going to be worth whatever the fuck they pay for him. Is that going to happen? Well, it seems fairly nailed on. It probably will happen, but who gives a fuck? But what well, my point... It's just Pogba and Ibrahimovic and, and what, finished fifth, sixth? They probably will, probably won't qualify for the Champions League. But, but that, that's my point, and who, who are we going to buy? I don't know, maybe um, Camerits from, from Hoffenheim or no, something like that. just give Janssen a new deal, we'll be fine. Well, I mean, <laughs> given his comments last week, I think, I think there'd be a lot of people having this day of execution and Janssen and maybe... all the right in, things, didn't he? Maybe Nkudu will be two of the people who survive the acts. Maybe yeah, they shouldn't, but... because Nkudu said he was uh, very disappointed... With his season, but he, he said, said he join. can't have another season like this. Yeah, because he said um, he sees um, Sissoko and Dembele as big brothers, and they've said to him because he's used to taking people on and people lauding him. But when he presses, Do you know, when you've got like one big brother you should look up to, and one who's a bit of a tearaway, you know, probably shag birds and that. That's Musa no, Dembele and Musa Sissoko. There's one of those Musas that you should listen to, right? <laughs> And it ain't Sissoko. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah, he, he, Sissoko is a big brother just slipping pills to the little brother like, <laughs> while he slept. At the age of 10. Yeah, the other big brother was like, stay in school, work hard, you know, take, listen to mum. And, and Sissoko was like, fuck mum, you're coming clubbing with me. <laughs> uh, but Sissoko might seem fun. It might seem like a good idea at the time. 
And you know what? Follow him for a little bit, but always go back to Dembele because he'll guide the way in the canoe. He'll guide the way. But, but how, do you, how do you feel about the comments from um, opposition fans and, and the press? Does it bother you? No, I feel more vulnerable to stuff from within our fan base and from within the club Nailed than it. I do from, Nailed it. from the other fans. Because some of our fans are being really melancholy. And understandable, it's a, it's a shit game to lose, but... It's one game, and it's football. Yeah, exactly. But it does kind of, when you've got negativity in your timeline, in social media, or whatever, it does drag you down a bit and you kind of just think, oh, Do you know what? shut up. You mute. Yeah. It all mute. goes away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The mute's I'm the greatest fine. thing. Cause I, I unfollowed a couple of people once and it's just like, fuck you. Like, this is worse than listen, what, reading your tweets, having had to have to deal with the fallout of this. But I'm over that now. Just do, just do the mute, it ruthless. The, the mute one. I probably. think TweetDeck is one of the best apps going because you can just not have your own timeline. I'll put the love the shirt time on and mm. I'll just do, do, do that instead. But did we, was third confirmed yesterday? Or have I got that wrong? No, we, we qualified for the Champions League yesterday. Yeah. So who's fourth now, Liverpool? Are they third? Yeah, because Man, Man City yeah. overtook them. I'll get it up mm. in a sec. So, um, so yeah, two so, points to Yeah, so we, we, we've got Champions League two teams in a row. So that's, that's kind of, I mean, I know it's, I know we, we slated Arsenal for Lord and qualifying for the Champions League. But it is an achievement because that was our objective. Before yeah. the season started, that was our objective. Yeah, and the difference you, is for them, that's the default. They've spent all that money, they've yeah. been there all that time, they've sustained that position. They've got the third or fourth highest wage bill, you'd expect it. With us, we're punching above our weight still. We can't finish anywhere other than second. No, we can. I think if City win all their games. If City win all their games and beat our goal difference, providing well, we lose all ours and City win all, all theirs City are on 69 they've got three games left so that's eight points so 78 they can get 78 right so we've got to lose all our games yes so we need one point yes from three games remember that we did one point <laughs> relegated team <laughs> don't worry could about be, it could be Hull don't worry about it guaranteed Spurs you heard it now go early <laughs> seconds ours actually we, we could win the league still if Borough beat City tonight yeah, I mean Chelsea, Chelsea tonight yeah. It, actually, like, it, I'll, I'll, just, I mean, they won't, obviously. Ch- Chelsea going to smash Borough. But, strange things have happened. And if they had, how would you approach that? They've still got to play on Friday, though. Yeah, but if, if they lose tonight. Yeah, they're four points in the game in hand. But psychologically, they could be damaged. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Just got to enjoy it what it is. I think... Imagine, like, imagine if we somehow win the league from this position and all the bottlers, all the. Oh my god! <laughs> it would be so beautiful. We wouldn't get that. We wouldn't get that because we waited 22 years to finish above Arsenal. It took that long. We wouldn't get both things in the season because that's just not the way you know, football, um, football in God's work. When you win the league, I know we've never experienced this. You get to take a picture with the Premier League trophy. Or doing what so, you so want. You know, when you do a tour of the ground. One of the parts of the tour is taking a picture of the trophy. I've seen other teams do it. That's how I know this. Yeah. And so I say we could do. I'd probably just do that. Be my profile picture on every single part of social media. <laughs> and that, and my, underneath it should be bottlers. <laughs> and at my workplace, they, they use Skype for the instant messaging thing. So I probably just have that as my picture on Skype at work as well, <laughs> just to fully go in. That'd just be beautiful if we won a league from this stage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's move on to Man United. Um, we've got obviously last game at White Hart Lane. Um, we're going to do a, a, a decent section of this next week uh, on the pod. We've got a, a trailer from Memory Lane, which um, I'm going to be talking about again in a second. But um, that we're going to put, we're going to give. It's almost like a send off because it's the final game next year, next 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 week against Man United, and almost the game itself doesn't really matter. I mean, it, 
it obviously matters because it's, it's a Premier League game against Man United but but what you're saying is the occasion is the most important thing right? kind of unless we get stuff like 4-0 and I'm fucking off I, I'm not even waiting for the ceremony like, that, that, the stadium means nothing to me I did that last year <laughs> sulked off I'm only joking <laughs> I'm only joking you, no one is going to leave that stadium early the people just barricade it man imagine if you got pumped 7-0 <laughs> And the last game, and it stopped you leaving. It stopped yeah. everyone leaving. Like, let me out. Be like Harry. Let me out. <laughs> yeah, all, all fucking hellfire is breaking out. We're burning to death. But then you got to stay for the ceremony. Adele's coming soon. And then the players walk over clapping. Yeah, and you just you're get like, angry at them. Boo you! Boo you! Actually, Chaz has said he's coming from Chaz and Dave. So he's made a full, made a good recovery from Amazing. the cancer we had. So that's, that's it's going to be an amazing atmosphere. I'm, I'm very grateful that I get to go to that game. Amazing. Um, obviously, their focus, Man United, is going to be on the Europa League because you got beat by Arsenal, which means that we guarantee that we're finishing the Champions League. Um, it makes them difficult to get into the top four. They're going to arrest players because the Europa League guarantees that they get Champions League. They've still got to beat Salterville, Vigo, and they probably will. But it, been a- can I just ask you if United <coughs> win the Europa nice. League? Yeah. It's still five teams. Right. And they've won the League Cup already. Have they had a better season than Spurs? In terms of what their expectancy is, no. Um, in terms of um, two trophies, in terms and of Champions League qualification, in terms of in black and white, yes. But what I don't think their intention was to—it's um, difficult to say. I mean, I, I think in terms of progress, overall progress, and the st- and what who's going to be more content? Spurs fans are because we're probably going to finish second in the league. That's an improvement on what one wonderful season it was last year. As progress as a football club goes, we're in a much superior position as Man United with half the revenue. Um, on the other hand, they could but, they could flick a switch and turn that round in a second. Yeah, but you talk Man United. We can't really be compared to Man United. Yeah. Um, but what, what I'm saying is that um, as fans, though, if they win both those competitions. But then, do you think they walked into the League Cup really giving a shit about that? Maybe not, Probably I don't know. Probably not, but then when you get to the semi-finals, you start giving a shit, don't you? Yeah, I, I think... I mean, would you rather be a Man United fan or a Spurs fan right now? And I think most people after that season would be Spurs. What's really funny is that um, their fans... And then all... their fans would say the exact polar opposite yeah. about us. But, but the, the fact that their fans are actually um, arguing as Spurs fans, could you imagine that ten years ago? they'll be arguing who's had a better season and obviously they we won the League Cup I mean they don't even most of their fans probably could, can't even remember all of their League Cup wins we ever, a lot of Spurs fans can remember ours of course maybe because they've won it fewer times but still the frustrating thing for me is this should have been us this year I mean we've been brilliant don't get me wrong but we should have won a trophy yes and we absolutely could have, we could have won the Europa League if we you know it, done better. Basically. Well, I think if Daddy Adams um, didn't have a brain fart, we'd go exactly. we'd, we'd go through against Gank. Yeah, no doubt. And about we that. Sh- we we could have won the League Cup and the FA Cup. Well, the League Cup was a weird one because we had Liverpool, didn't we? We were terrible in that game. We're dreadful. Um, yeah, whatever. I don't know. I'm not bothered really. The, the, we will win. For it. The fact that Spurs, <coughs> I suppose it is down to Pochettino really. I don't know. Look, it's, it's, the hypotheticals are pointless, really. Yeah. It's just interesting. I mean, the, the, the states great, of the club are so different. They've got a manager who's a gargantuan tosspot, but who is so good at winning these big games. He doesn't really care about progression of youth players in particular. He doesn't really care about sustainability for well, football. He's not going to be there long. No, exactly. He, he'll come in, he'll win trophies, and he'll leave. 
with a big pay packet. It's like um, it's like a bad dad. You know, you know, you know, dad who comes in. You know, I don't know I've Why got a Christmas I, present. Yeah, I've I've got Santa Court LA Lakers tickets, mm. or I don't know, I've got front row seats at um, Will Smith. Chelsea v Man City. Like Will yeah. Smith's dad comes exactly. in all the presents. Yeah, like that's Jose Mourinho, mm. and then you know, when when you really need him, he's not there. Where is he? Where is he in four years from now? Well, exactly. Probably be at, probably be managing Portugal, driving a truck somewhere <laughs> in, in the Middle East or in China, more likely. Um, yeah, oh, but at the same time, they've kind of they've got Rashford and Lingard in the team, so they've kind of got the local local lads come good. They couldn't ignore them. Well. I don't think. Um, I, I don't think we, we've overperformed since Pochettino come come in so much. We were ahead of his project, well ahead, well, like well ahead. Yeah, so much so that the, you should feel grateful that the expectations are raised to a level where we should be competing and, and winning trophies each year. Um, this, in the same way that you know, you've got to have patience. Everyone has to have patience in the team, and everyone has to have patience in in Pochettino. He's three years into his job, and we've finished third and second in our entire lives, apart from '87. We've not done that. Yeah. Yes. We, we, we've we spent we have half the revenue. Of Man United, we've spent eleven million pounds net. Ultimately, the, I'm a massive fan of Levy. We have got some stuff about Levy, innit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a question about. It. All right, let, let's let, let's go. Let, let's let's save it for then. I'm just saying. I that think if if we didn't have the spectre of Wembley hanging over us next year, we would be supremely confident about yeah, next season. I'm fucking shit myself about. That, I've got to be honest. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. I have no idea. In, you in were talking two, about something about uh, players. Spurs having problems with pitch sizes. You were talking single malt suds, weren't you? On yeah, Phil. So Phil, single malt suds. He's a, a great Twitter follow. Um, was looking into sizes of pitches, the dimensions, and basically it does seem like there's a pattern that Spurs have struggled defensively on larger pitches, and I think that's arguably part of the problem. Where else have we struggled on, apart from Wembley? So Anfield's quite a large pitch. Wembley, Old Trafford, Etihad, and London Stadium on Friday. I thought, but what, very I, poor what I flagged up is that Pochettino gave an interview early on <coughs> in his first career and he says um, mm. our pitch was too small and AVB said similar too if memory serves me correct he as well. did and in September before we started playing the games at Wembley Pochettino said they'd had two training pitches made into the same size as the Wembley pitch to train on them to get us used to playing on that pitch size right. now that's clearly not had a huge impact because throughout the... Uh, I'll contradict myself a little bit because actually we did change the team quite a lot in the Champions League as well which didn't help but we were defensively appalling in the Champions League I thought um, at Wembley uh, and I, I am slightly concerned about next year and how quickly we can adjust to that and relegate yeah, well you know what it is yeah <laughs> 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 have to be reliant on our weight record <laughs> Steve, no, no I can't no I can't but what, what, what bottom 15 yeah no but do you know what what you can't make Wembley as small as Wild Hart Lane because Wild Hart Lane is below regulation. That's right. So yeah, but as small what, as they, what are they going to do? Chuck us out of the league? Just make this, make the pitch? Or, so what, what are you going to do? Deduct us points because the pitch is the same size as it used to be. Just nick the referee's white spray and just move the lines in a little bit every game. Yeah. Just just turn up to the, 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 the advisory panel saying that you've got to increase it. Just flop your dick out and say, increase this. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We play on what we want, but I think I don't think it'd make a much difference. I was talking to Nicky from West Ham fan TV. who did a little video about. That was a good video, by the way. I enjoyed watching that. Yeah, it was good. I say good fun. It was. It was. Um, it was. That's what it was. It was, it was, it was talking, it was talking about stadiums. So how fun can it be? Stadia, rather. Um, 
but yeah, it was he, he said that what the players at West Ham mentioned is having the familiarity of, of your surroundings, mm. but more importantly for some players, especially midfield players, sight lines. Yeah. So they'll look for things. So if they see the stanchion, for example, in the shelf at Spurs, they know approximately that, that where they are based yeah. on where the, the touch line would be, where the, the goal line's going to be. And so they can almost use instinct based on one sight of something to make that pass and that's going to take time yeah Thierry Henry said something about that about Highbury there you know, you know about the shadows you look look for the shadows and know where to go straight away yeah. so the familiarity with our home ground will, will, event, will get there I don't but think they, ha- they, they have said sorry that um, they had to change stylistically a little bit this year as well so where last year they were trying to be a bit more front foot trying to press more on a smaller pitch this year they've had to defend deeper because then, they can't leave all that space in behind but then our strongest team and our formation has changed undoubtedly this year I mean who would have thought 3-4-3 three, three would become our first choice formation? Yeah, we're, we're perfectly adaptable and actually all of our back three are more than capable of playing a bit deeper and, and being a low-block, penalty-box defensive outfit. They can th- all do that. I think in the summer we'll have to buy accordingly for, for that formation. Yeah, a low-block, what the fuck? What did you say? Low-block means you're defending deeper. Extra-inch shit, man. <laughs> they, they defended deep. Yeah. Deep defensively. But we can, our, our defenders can all do that, right? They're all... Probably less so for Tongan because he prefers to be on the front foot. But Dyer's a very good reactive defender, very good at clearing his lines mm. from back. Alderweireld's a fantastic um, penalty box defender. The Tongan's slightly less suited, perhaps, but I think he's got better at that, at that as he's gone on at Spurs. When is the deadline to vote for Player of the Year, by the way? Because I think I might have missed it. Every year I miss it. I think you've got a bit of time left. Who are you voting for? Lopez, I told you. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Real Lopez. I, I didn't. Lopez I didn't changed. vote. But I think. Um, <laughs> Dem, I think it'd probably be Dembele, even though he hasn't been. Uh, I, just, you know, I think it's not be, about who he is; it's I about think, who's your favourite. Okay, I think Ali wins. Ericsson wins, though, doesn't he? I've voted Ericsson. I think Ali wins because of the young vote. Um, Ericsson has been since the Seska Moscow game at Wembley an absolutely fucking solid goal player this year, and, and and I don't think it's a coincidence that our, our form since more or less being dumped out of that. That, that tournament has, has coincided with how good Ericsson's been. Um, yeah, it's ma- magic. I've oh, got a great question here from fan non-fiction. Fact, sorry, fact and non-fiction Twitter. Uh, it says, if you have grandchildren in 30 years, how would you describe White Art Lane to them? What made the question a bit more difficult is that we don't know what, these, what it's going to be like in a new stadium. Yeah, but... It might, it, I mean, I, I obviously, we've got to answer in the context of, of you know... What, yeah, but what, what does it mean to you now, what I mean? It's a proper, proper football stadium. Tight and stylish, with four stands which are unique in their own ways. Each one has its own personality quirks. There's something different about each stand, or the types of people that sit in each stand, that make it memorable in some way. But what, it, what, yeah, but what does it make you feel, Wendy? When you walk in, like, what, what do you feel? Do you feel nothing? Do you feel... I do you feel like you're at home? Do you feel only, familiar? Does it feel like it's a place of anguish? What, what's the feeling, the no, emotion it, inside? You, it is like being at home, you're right. There's, you, you're so familiar with your surroundings that you you feel instantly comfortable for a start. And you, you just know you know where to look and where everything is and where everything's happening and mm. how to get involved at certain points and just how it all fits together. I think um, it's like a comfortable pair of slippers, what, Art Lane? You know, that's exactly what it is, and um, 
everyone, everyone listening to this podcast who's been to the stadium will remember the first time they, you know, went up the stairs, saw the, you know, the beautiful grass and mm. the cockerel, well, depending on what end you come in, you know, the golden cockerel at the top of the stadium, to, you know, seeing all the, you know, paraphernalia around the stadium and... Yeah. Um, how do I describe it? It's hard because it's not the tangibles. It's not, it's not the tangibles. It's the intangibles about the stadium. Yeah. Like, but what, what, I mean, the question is if like your grandson came up to you in 30 years' time and you were going to go, it's hard to explain to you, kid, because there's intangibles and, <laughs> and tangibles. That's exactly what I'll say. <laughs> you would as well. Like, like, You'll I'm, never fucking know. Like, you weren't there. You weren't there, Don't man. ask me questions, boy. Like, give him a massive hug. That's oh. a mother's original. Yeah, <laughs> I, um, do, I do love kids. No, do, you don't. Do you know? I, I look. I when I go now, and I have done the last couple of couple of games. I've been there, and I look around, and I'm less concerned about the pitch. And I'm looking at the stands, and almost every point, every section, every block of the stand, I look at. I have a memory there. Yes. You know, I look at Block J, and I remember us singing our hearts out at Hull. I remember in Block 32 and Block 35, the amazing memories we had with 1882. I remember in Block 35 also with my dad and my brothers and celebrating over Man City. I remember when, when, when I was a kid and Spurs got beat by Nottingham Forest in the League Cup and Mark Crosley saved and ran the length of the pitch. And I cried my eyes out and looked up at my dad and I was like, what the fuck's going on? And he was like, don't worry. You know, these, that, that's what's going to be lost. The, 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 it's those... That, that's, it, it was... A place where um, it created memories for me and, and, and my brothers and, and the family and, and, and friends that go there. There will be no other place, hopefully, apart from the new White Hart Lane, that will conjure as that many memories. And it's, that's just me. Yeah. Every single person that travels through those turnstiles on a season basis will have their own memories. And all of that positive and negative energy is focused inside that that little area of, of, of earth. And and it's such a shame that it's going to be going. It, it really is. This, this is a bit random and a bit off kilter, but um, Lowen Hill once went into a studio after Aretha Franklin and she watches it. It feels like church in here because she's just gone in and sung. Mm. And you go to Wild Lane and you think that this is where Dave Mackay used to lead his team out, boot the ball 60 feet in the air, catch mm. it on his toe, look the opposing captain in the eye, you know, just to intimidate him. This is a ground where Dave Mackay, same bloke, takes Bill Bremner by the neck. You know, and you look around. This, this, this is the place where these things have happened. This is the, this is the place where Graham Roberts put Charlie Nicholas in the in the stand. Exactly. This is the place where Graham Roberts scored scored in the one or draw against Angelette. This is the place where Mickey Hazard uh, lost a contact lens. lost a contact lens. This is a place where. Fucking Gareth Bow scored a, uh, an untold amount of screamers uh, at White Hart Lane. This, as well. ta- Harry, this, Harry Kane. This is a place tearing off the mask. Yeah, Harry Kane t- t- tore off the mask against Arsenal. When this mask is, off like future. This is where this is where Ginola hit, hit that free kick, uh, that, that volley against Leeds. This, all of that stuff. That's what that's what it is. It's, but then we're we're in an age where everything is um, so polished and. That stadium, even though it's not polished, it still seems modern mm. in its own way. So it's, it's stylish. It's a neat little stadium. It, it, it is stylish, but it's well. very. I think even even opposing fans who hate Spurs enjoy the stadium because it's, it's a reminder of what used to be. Whenever you see like. interviews of opposing fans and they're asked what their favourite stadium is, so many say White Hart Lane just yeah. because the way it looks, the way it keeps the sound in, which I think is so important. Yeah. And like you're saying, T, there's the app. So after the Arsenal game, which was my last game there, 
Um, I should, I should Are you not going there? I can't. I've got my friends are getting married, so I can't. I can't go to the game. We've talked about. We've talked about this. Yeah. How? How? I mean, do they like you at all? <laughs> they. I think they like each other more than like me. Unfortunately. Exactly. So it won't even matter if you're not there. <laughs> um, Windy. But I, <laughs> Windy. I'm, I'm, I know I'm putting you in a difficult situation, but for your own good. Come on now. All right. I'll, I'll ditch the ready. I'll go to my heartland. Yeah. Um, <laughs> after the Arsenal game, I sort of stuck around a bit because I wanted to. I just wanted to enjoy my last moments there. And even though most people had left and it was pretty much empty, there's this kind of weird feeling like it's not empty. It sort of, And I know that sounds ridiculous. I don't believe in ghosts or anything like that. But it felt like the air was somehow still thick mm. to me. That's how it felt to me. And it really felt like I wasn't the only one there and that there was still a buzz. Was you literally the last person in the stadium? No, no, nothing like that. Mm. No, I had uh, Alex you... from Bristol crying over my shoulder. <laughs> So Tell us more about this because he's been like really gone on about what he, he's like hitting you throughout the game and stuff. Slapping my chest, yeah, like an absolute maniac. Yeah, it's not that. It's that's uh, that that strikes me as a, a someone with a base level of inter- intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> 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 celebrates by slapping well, another man. Some of the man absolute in the nonsense that he uttered towards the pitch mm. confirms that he has a base level of intelligence. Didn't he scream at um, Gibbs? Just Kieran, to- Kieran, what are you going to do, Kieran? <laughs> Just play football, probably. What are you <laughs> gonna do? It's not so weird. I quite like that. It's so weird. That is weird, but um, I quite like it. Um, <laughs> There's one more. You, all right, one more quickly because we're on fucking. You know. So go on, you read. Really. So, seeing as this is our final game ever at the Lane, who do you think was is the best player? Best player in the flesh there by Pool Spurs on Twitter. Oh, um. Well, it was obviously Paul Walsh, but nah, we'll put him to one side. Yeah, put him to one side because he was mercurial. Uh, I've got two. Bow, Bow was probably the best and most effective. Modric was the best footballer I've ever seen at White Lane, and Berbatov was someone I would just—I don't care how effective he was. I loved watching him. He was a dream. And Janola, just—I fell in love with him completely. I don't know what the answer is. I'm going to go for—I'm going to go for Berbatov. Wow. Berbatov was the best player I've ever seen at White Lane. Good. Um... I think Bell is the best player I'm ever going to see in terms of, in terms of ability. Um, but I love Ledley King because he was just so regal. And every time he saw his name in the team sheet, it just kind of got a bit of a lift. Yeah. So I'd have to say, this is the best player I've seen. It probably to be him. But Bell is probably the most, just a force of nature, an absolute force of nature. And Modric is next to King as well. For Luka Modric against Cristiano Ronaldo. What's wrong with him? He doesn't play for Spurs. It's the Spurs players, mate. Yeah, Why are you adding that? One it? of the best players I've seen. Well, the best player I've seen at White Hart Lane is Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, but, why, are you, um, why are you adding that? What's he got to do with anything? What game, what game made you say that? Me. This is where All you... Look, so you know, people, they think, oh, Wendy's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. That was intentional to pl- seed a little bit of negativity in us. <laughs> you know what? one of them social I've vampires I just mentioned. Enjoying watching amazing footballers at White Hart Lane. Do you know what I once saw? I once saw someone... You're being nasty. I once saw a player put the ball between himself and the player in front of him, like 50-50, yeah, went in two-footed. Yeah. That's windy. <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Windy's that guy... Just take a slightly you, you heavy you, touch you, deliberately. Yeah, exactly. You've been putting the work in with a, a young filly all night and Windy swoops in right at the end and takes her own. That's windy. Or goes up to her and goes, oh, you know my mate's gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to reinforce the, the joke. So let's just let us do it. <laughs> anyway, uh, you may remember that um, we produced Memory Lane, uh, which is a, an hour-long documentary chronicling the importance of White Hart Lane to supporters. 
specifically uh, with local charity exposure and it was really just to commemorate the stadium and we always knew the club were going to do something and we knew that there'll be all kinds of stuff that that the people were going to be producing about the time where our stadium was going to cease to be so we thought it'd be a good idea to put together this this documentary and a lot of love and I swear to God blood, sweat and tears went into it I was so grateful when this, this project was over Anyway, um, they're going to be nearly five k has been raised for the wow. charity. Five thousand pounds. It is. It is really good. Uh, they're doing a special free screening um, of the film at Bruce Castle in uh, Tottenham on Sunday, the eleventh of June at one p.m. So, if you're free on that Sunday and you fancy watching the film and you haven't seen it or you, you want to, I'm going to try my best to go down there, but I'm not sure if I'm going to be around because of work commitments. But how does one get tickets to that? It's free. free. You just walk just turn in. Up. Yeah, I mean, like, if, what happens if like a thousand people turn up? I mean, they'll be overwhelmed in, in both you know emotionally and physically. But uh, I doubt a thousand they'll people be physically turn up. overwhelmed. Physically, <laughs> fighting them to get in. Yeah, um, but if you're if you're free and, and that and you know. Yeah, I'm sure the, the, the ticket... I don't know, I haven't thought that far ahead. It's not my problem. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah, remember, uh, Bruce Castle uh, Bruce Castle Museum in Tottenham on Sunday, 11th of June, starts at 1pm. Wendy, what's your youth update about? Youth. Good. Yeah. Wendy, you have to drop the fucking knowledge, blood. I see you, I've got your back. Hi, this is Windy, back with the weekly youth update. Looking at our young players and players out on loan, I'm going to skip the loanies this week as I intend to do some kind of loan roundup in the near future. So straight on to the uh, youth teams, who both lost this week, unfortunately. The under-18s lost 3-2 to Aston Villa. The goals were an own goal after a good cross from Phoenix Patterson and a Sam Shishua penalty after he won the penalty himself. Uh, But they conceded again on 69 minutes to lose 3-2. And sadly, the under-23s lost 4-1 to Leicester at home at White Hart Lane in a match that was kind of billed as a bit of a tribute to Hugo Echiog. A very disappointed Matt Well said after the match. Obviously, we're very disappointed not only with the scoreline, but also with something we tried to concentrate before the game in terms of delivering a performance that fitted the occasion. There was a real drive and willingness among the players and staff to make the evening special and a fitting tribute to Hugo. Our consolation goal came from Marcus Edwards, a penalty after he was fouled in the box himself. But alas, the lads weren't good enough on the night uh, against a strong Leicester team. That's it for this week. If you're interested in more young players, follow me on Twitter at WindyCoys. That's Coys for Come On You Spurs. What have you been doing? What have you been up to? You went to a stag do? Last weekend. What, what is a, what's a stag do like with Windy and Co? Yeah, because Windy's quite civilised compared to... Hashtag lads, lads, lads. All the way. Is it? Did you get hammered? Not really. Really? Yeah. I drank loads. Um, oh, yeah, but you're like double odds and you don't get hammered. That's exactly it. Yeah. Right, of course. Now, we played, bub- we played bubble football, right? Right. Which I thought was going to be amazing. And I'll tell you why it wasn't amazing. I'll give you two reasons why it wasn't amazing. Can I guess one? Yeah, go You can't see fuck all. You can't see the feet. <laughs> it, it reminded... It was, it was funny. Last week you were talking about the Battle of the Bridge because that's what it must have been like for someone like Eric Dyer. Just... The aim of the game is to just walk around and take people out. There's no did intent you, on playing football at all. Did you did you get taken out a few times? I didn't, and the reason I didn't was because you're nifty. <laughs> yeah, partly that. So the first we played football first, as well as you can do. You can't see your feet. You're mm. basically running into people and then kicking the ball towards a goal. <laughs> it's hitting the bubbles. It's flying everywhere. There's no there's no skill involved. Yeah, and then 
they wanted us to play British Bulldog. What, 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 in a in, bubble? In a, in a bubble. So we used to play British Bulldog when I was a kid at school and it used to get banned. Yes. Like massively, teachers would come out and like literally grab this kids. This is how I know I'm old. I never, I never got banned when I was in school. So <laughs> British Bulldog is not a sport that... What, what, um, what is it to people that don't know? So you stand, you have... Uh, a Two group teams. Of people. Not teams as such. So you've got blockers in the middle. They're like they're the bulldogs. They're in the middle of the pitch or whatever the, yeah. the area, and you have to run to the other side without them knocking you knocking you to the ground. Yeah, but what, so so in my school it was like you'd have one person in the middle, and they, when they hit someone, they become a bulldog. Yeah, and you'd have two groups of people at each end, and then when you hit, well, we would just play like a tag, but obviously you get quite into it and people would be like sweeping legs you've and, got to say British Bulldog 1, 2, 3 when you grab them haven't you that's what yeah that's, that's kind of in this game that wasn't part of it you just had to knock them to the ground and then they became Bulldogs right so for people like me with my build British Bulldog is the stuff of terror <laughs> <laughs> and it just brought me back to being a 10 year old and, and the bigger boys chasing after me the so that was, that was reason what, number one why this was not fun mm. reason number two is if you're on a stag do where it's a full weekend and you're like staying at a hotel and you do an activity like that, it's like, oh yeah, cool, we'll just go back to the hotel, wash up and then we'll head out later. No, in this stag, you have to get naked in front of your friends and shower in front of them what? and then all go out afterwards. Why, why, That's weird, you, right? What, what do you mean so you all shower all together? Naked? Communal showers, because it's a, like a sports centre, gym. Sorry, so, uh, so you've you just done a physical activity and there's yep. communal showers. It wasn't like a rule of the stag that you have to get naked. I mean, it was kind of did it become an that, like rule. Lord of the Flies type? It was naked, naked like that. <laughs> there was none. Of, I didn't hear chanting, but I felt peer pressure. <laughs> and what happened? So did you bow? Of course. I I, <laughs> I thought I'm going to be an adult about this, and what I'm going to do is just get in the showers, get it over and done with, right? Yeah. So I walked into the showers, and there's this one guy in the stag who I swear to God is an Adonis. He's just perfect. Yeah. Like uh, his body is. Did you get a semi? I didn't, but I wouldn't have been blamed if I had. <laughs> so I walked into the showers and didn't know he was in there, saw him, instantly felt about two inches tall. Did he have a big one? Didn't see his willy, thankfully, but he's got an amazing arse. <laughs> so, I, so I walked in into my little shower cubicle. I love it. I still have my pants on because they're staying on to a last to possible minute. Tobias Funk over here, never <laughs> right. nude. The what last the possible fuck? minute. Why wasn't he nude? You David know, O'Leary, isn't David he? David O'Leary. Yeah. You're a David right. O'Leary in a fighting cop podcast. Okay, no, no, I was naked in the shower, obvs, but I wasn't going to walk around the changing room naked. So I, wa- I got into the shower, pants off, hit the button, it's freezing cold, and I literally yelped. <laughs> So I'm next to Adonis and I yelped. <laughs> he screamed. So it made him look at me yeah. with cold water on my tiny body. <laughs> it was bad, what? a bad what? stag activity. Would, so, to you, in this instance, would you have double, di- double down and just got naked straight up and was like, fuck, fuck the world? Every bloke's got a penis, so I don't care. Really? I haven't got, I've, I've got a perfect body, but fuck it. What, what, what is it about a... Uh, a physical activity and then a changing room where, where it becomes completely acceptable to be butt naked and people you've known for years who you've never seen naked the minute they're in a changing room it's like this is what happens here because I I don't have any issue really with being naked there's been like growing up my dad would walk around bollock naked all the time yeah, it wasn't a thing it wasn't a big a big thing but I do feel a little bit uneasy when men so freely pull their todger out and walk around because oh, they mates it's just weird if, if, they, if, weird. if they're not and they're weird, mates as well oh god right. <laughs> it wasn't great it wasn't so, so you're looking you're looking across and you're just like there's fucking 
Midget, Jimmy from Finance. Midget Dick. And there's his Willie. Jimmy, Jimmy, and then he's just got a flash. When you see him, Jimmy from Finance, <laughs> see a flash. And you see his Todger. And, I mean, you, and, it, and your eyes get drawn. You can't. There's, there's can no you way that you go into a shower and don't have a little look at a dick next year. It's just normal. It's, it's, it's completely normal, T. It's normal. Stop looking like. I, I really tried not to look. Genuinely. Well, now, well, well, Why though? Men out, of men, men out, out, of res- yeah. out of respect. And, and, and a kind of. I was thinking it's karma. If I don't look at them, they won't look at me. They were There's, looking at you. I mean, when I went to the gym many, many years ago, I don't go to the gym no more because it's, it's rubbish. But um, <laughs> there was a bloke who just walk around routinely naked mm. and his cock was huge. <laughs> but to be fair, you know, um, Chris Rock once made this joke about um, sometimes if you're skinny, your cock looks a bit bigger. Yeah. So it's a bigger background area. So this guy was like proper wedge, proper wham. And it's got the massive against that. Like, fuck it, oh, man. Right, you, just, yeah, you've got. He's walking there. around just like you know, king of the king of the fucking you know, what I mean? jungle. Yeah, fucking. I mean, I probably. I don't know if I would. I'm not sure. Let's move on. Um, t-shirts. Yeah. So we said last week that there wouldn't be any more t-shirts. Well, we spoke to the supplier because loads, loads of people buying them. It's really nice. Um, so we're going to run for uh, up until the end of the season. Um, so the fighting cook. Co. UK for us has t-shirts. Those t-shirts. All of them. Well, Dembele, Dembele, Rose, and Dembele, Rose. Yeah, all okay. of them. Yeah, they're all they're all still available now. So if you if you if you missed your chance and you still fancy a bit, the fighting cook. forward slash shop. Obviously, terrible news about Aaron Lennon. Very shocking. I was I was quite shocked by it. Um, just obviously the circumstances in which he was found, and not surprised. I was surprised that it was Aaron Lennon mm. um, because. The, this is massive stereotyping here, but his background, the type of character that he is, generally keep mental health issues under wraps to the point where they explode or, or or a point where they can't cope anymore. And it was just a fucking sad thing. And I was disgusted by some of the ways that certain newspapers were recover, uh, reporting on it. And when the family had asked for privacy, which is... Yeah, they don't give a shit about that yeah. kind of stuff. But um, I was not going to mention their names because... That's ultimately what they want. Mm. I think it's good. Um, the, the backlash was pretty much universal. Mm. Um, you know the way the paper reported it, <coughs> talked about how much he earned and all the rest of it. I think um, the times that we're living in now is just um, universal support. I mean, even you know Frank Bruno. I think Tyson Fury might have tweeted something to him as well. Mm. Just um, an overall support for him. And what, uh, Tyson Fury tweeted to Aaron Lennon. Yeah, I think he said, you know, you know, I know what you're going through. You know, you'll get through it soon. And just, yeah. Just words of encouragement, and mm-hmm. um, I think it's a good thing because when we first started the podcast, and I think we got you know with, with Calm early doors, mm. and seeing where Calm have grown to now, and seeing the mental health is you know it's pretty much front and center mm. male mental health, and um, I think the reaction was very heartwarming. That, that it's also a shame, yeah, absolutely, completely, um, and we wish Aaron Lennon the best of luck in his recovery. And he will get through it. Because we, we put a tweet out and said that you know physical injury is is the same as mental health. There are ways now, thank God, that um, we can fix things. And not actually thank God, thanks, thank you, you know, alternative um, mental health therapy, thank science, and science, and and uh, and the NHS, and all, or everyone who contributes in some small way to to ensuring that men with mental health conditions can can feel back to the way they hope to feel. You know, and I don't want to use the word normal because what is normal. Um, obviously, kind of this leads into the fact that Gaza won't be uh, at the game on, on Sunday, which is again 
a crying shame because of everything he did as a footballer for for, for Spurs. But I can I can understand it. it. I can understand it in the same way that we didn't tweet a picture of Aaron Lennon scoring a goal for Spurs in his happiest moments because you look joyous when he scored at Spurs. When you're darkest, you don't want to remember the, the moments where you feel you felt the best because you, it makes you feel so far from that that moment. Um, so you can kind of understand. I definitely understand actually Paul Gascoigne's reasons for not wanting to come along. I'm assuming that those those are his reasons. Well, I mean, it's it's good that he can actually take a step outside his body and see that he's probably not fit to go. Um, mm. Last season, West Ham had their um, farewell, and Martin Peters was there, and he is clearly unwell. Yeah, I think he's suffered from Alzheimer's now. And Martin Peters served Spurs and West Ham so well. I presume he's not going to be there this week because he's, you know, he's not he's not good with Alzheimer's. Right. But this is a different situation to Gascoigne. But I'm saying that Gascoigne is in a way where he realizes that he's not 100. percent Maybe if he, you know, his ego took over and thought, well, maybe he can, then we might have seen something we didn't want to see. Um, Leroy, who's a, a friend of ours, uh, a massive, he just asked me to give a shout out to uh, Malaysia Spurs, who who accommodating him, accommodating him. He's travelling around the world currently at the uh, Al A Cafelea A Cafela Cafe. Um, it's owned by a Spurs Spurs fan, and there's Spurs shirts everywhere in Malaysia. That this place in Malaysia, and he said they had an amazing time. So if you're in Malaysia and you need somewhere to watch it, I know it's a ginormous area of the planet but if you happen to be near the a cafe a cafella uh, cafe go and have a, a watch it there i said i'd give them a shout out because it's a nice thing that they we all love the voice that's cool leroy is the the best one of the best people one of the best people i've ever met um okay so uh, after after months of of potch saying how actually is this one yeah after after months of Potch saying how he how he spurs and that he couldn't manage Arsenal at the end of the season replaces Wenger next season he takes them on to the Vince, Invincibles an Invincibles run and wins the league who do you hate more Potch or Sol what why electric, have you dropped this in there it's a question electric super penis I know, it, it. I, know it's a, I know it's a question but why why have you put that in our brains because it's funny alright okay you answer it then For fuck's sake <laughs> you I, it team. I think um you hate I mean I think I hate Soul more because he's a because he was a footballer. I think as a manager managers are different, man, but I think the way I feel about Pochettino now <laughs> I love the way you're stroking his legs. I can't try to think about the anxiety answer. is too much. Yeah. I think I think I probably I have to be Poch because the way I feel about Poch right now. You never felt about Soul. Even then it's hard to remember it's hard to Remember how much we lost Sol Campbell? Because oh, before that, he was a beacon of Spurs. Season after season, we were finishing like 10th and 9th, and he was our captain. Came through the ranks. Yeah, came through the ranks, and he was always bullish in, in the face of, you know, our neighbours and everything. Mm. And Postino was kind of similar in that we're overachieving now, and he's the beacon of our club, and any player could leave Spurs. As long as Postino stays, everything's okay. Yep. But, um, to, to answer the question, I'll probably say Poch. I'll say Sol. Just the fact that he was a part of it. I don't want to go in for a why. I'm just saying Sol. And, and also at that close. time, you didn't have the same amount of money sloshing around. It only just started, really, hadn't no, it? That is true. And so it was different that someone would do that. Change my answer. <laughs> Sol. Sol. All right. 
Uh, Spurs shout on Twitter. He says, do you think it would be possible to do a Southampton if our best players left? We have the foundation set and the manager in place. Uh, P.S. By doing a Southampton, I mean having a steady ship regardless of the players who leave and come in. Well, as I just said, if Poch stays, then I'm confident that would be fun. Yeah, the structure's there. I feel like we've spent a long time, Levy spent a long time putting together this robust structure that can cope with individuals leaving. And... Yeah, we're, luck- we're really lucky to have Pochettino, who's one of the best young managers in the world, but who's to say that we couldn't develop another manager and have some success once he's gone? Um, it, I, I think all of our immediate future hinges on Pochettino. Um, we could le- lose any, man- any player. We couldn't lose a number of players like Southampton have done and it had had no effect, because it has had an effect on them. It has changed the way they play. They have, to, they have at times had to be a bit more pragmatic, They've lost an obscene amount of talent, a huge amount of talent. The fact that they're still competing in the Premier League, getting draws at Anfield as they did last week. They're almost at their best finish, to be fair. So, Really? Yeah. I suppose the thing is with them, they've recruited really well, whereas we've had problems with recruiting players. But we, what, what I said, when, when just shortly after Pochettino joined the club, we wrote a tweet that said, along the lines of, what if Lalana, Schneiderlin, um, Lovren... All of those players were down to Pochettino. What if he was the, the reason for it? And, you know, Lovren's gone on to have a good career. Lalana's played very well under Klopp. But Pochettino created those players. And he can turn, he can create very good, very, very good players out of what were previously considered to be mediocre players. The most impressed I've been with Pochettino is his, his ability to make Davies, uh, Davies, who I consider to be an average to good fullback, in order for him to get Davies performing at, at in a position that he's never played before, really, a left wing back. Well, he's, he's probably best position is actually part of a three in a centre back, based on his performances for, for Wales. The fact that he can get performances out of Davies is massively encouraging. Because we're a wealthy football club, we will be able to buy players, we will be able to, 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 to fit into Pochettino's system. The fact that he can, despite us having massive injuries in huge areas, Rose being... We, I mean, we were just gushing over what, uh, Rose at Christmas time. And then we lose him for the, the, the half the season. Davies comes in and we had no faith in at all. And Pochettino has managed to cons- consistent. We've just put nine wins together before West Ham with Davies in the team. That... That's impressive. That's amazing. And the thing is, we could be having that conversation about so many different players in our squad. So for me, the two that he's worked the most wonders with are Rose and Dembele. I mean, he's made Dembele... He's given Dembele a nailed-down position. He knows his role, and he's become one of the best midfielders in the world, without a shadow of a doubt. Mm. That players will never forget playing in the team with him. They talk about him as if he's one of the best players they've ever played with. Before Pochettino, Dembele was someone with a huge amount of unfulfilled potential who's probably going to go to Sunderland yeah it's just ridiculous what he's done with him and Rose he's turned him into a complete and utter clogger mm. who again looked like he could play for Sunderland but probably no one else and now he's the best left back in England Walker again he, he had all the potential because he has so much pace people look at him and always rated him but he, apart from his first or second season at Wyoming he, he went through really barren spells of, of form remember he's under contract Remember the reaction when he signed Rose. Rose, but Walker, Walker that had went also went through barren spells. Yeah, because I thought Walker won Young Player of the Year in his first season, yeah. his first full season at Spurs, and yeah. then 
he kind of went in the wilderness. Another player I want to mention is Son because um, when Lamelo got injured, Lamelo was a player. I mean, you look at the rest of the game, maybe you think Lamelo could have made an impact in that game of his pressing and all the rest of it. But Son was a player who no one was really sure of last season, and this season has been an absolute fucking revelation. If someone said had given you twenty-two million or your money back for Son in the summer and he sold, you would understand the club. You would understand that yeah. sale. You wouldn't think that's madness. Now. It would be madness. It yeah. would be madness yeah. to sell him what yeah. we're going for because yeah. he's just just got 20 goals in the yeah. season. Yeah, unbelievable. Again, um, and all, all, got to be given credit for that. Too. And we've not even mentioned what he's done with Kane and Delhi. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, we, you could go on about every player in the team pretty much. It's just what I'm saying. Is you're right. Yeah, you're, you're quite, you're spot on. We don't have to worry too much as long as Keep he's... Potch. Yeah. Give him whatever he wants. <laughs> Forever. Forever. Absolutely. Make him Forever. happy. Go on. Okay, well, um, got another question about Poch. Um, based on the multiple interviews this week with Pochettino, based on the multiple interviews this week in which Poch has repeatedly praised Levy, have you overlooked his contributions? As a fan, as fans, we have we didn't hesitate to voice a concern of some of his earlier decisions. Mm. Hashtag not has, a single brick. <laughs> but has he become our unsung hero? C13 Campbell read it. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I struggled with Levy because of because of Stratford and Yol. But he has done brilliantly recently. I yeah, yeah, I, I, I'd agree. I, I don't, you know, we, we've talked about that previously on the podcast. In terms of his, he seemed to, in, in, in the way that anyone does in football, learn from his mistakes very quickly. Daniel Levy, you know, he appointed George Graham because he believed it was the right thing to do. Was that him? Yeah, yeah, just yeah, it was him. Um, he got rid of Yol and brought in um, Ramos. Ramos. Mistake got rid of Ramos, but at every stage we, even if we moved a step backwards, if you look at the, the history of it all, we it was ultimately a a, a learning a learning curve in, or a, lear, a moment of learning to, to to improve even more. So we've we've progressed, even when in some seasons we have regressed by the point of the manager. But ultimately, under Redknapp, we had an amazing season. And then obviously Sherwood was an issue, but he was willing to bide his time and, and get to a situation where he got the manager he wanted to. I think that given that Levy has such a bad relation uh, reputation in, in football and he's un, you know difficult to deal with and and uh, doesn't give managers what they want, the fact that Pochettino is talking so fondly about Levy is that there are two like-minded professionals mm. who um, understand each other's goals and what they're trying to achieve. I'd really, really like to see Levy splash some money, big money. That's, and that's I, why I, he's got to deliver the stadium so that he can. But I, I, yes, I agree. I really do. But I, I feel like we've fallen short the last two seasons because we haven't spent lots and lots of money. And I, I know I think, <laughs> I think you bought the wrong player, not not splash money. But, yeah, what, but when, when there's a, a net a net. A net spend of eleven million pounds. The board haven't been splashing money. They've been good at selling players, but sometimes you leverage selling players to uh, a, 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 and have a punt on next season. But then you look I, at, I get the move. Sorry, I get the moving into Wembley isn't the right time to punt on players. Yeah, but I feel like that was never going to happen. I think the if the, the not a single brick brigade would say. All right, yeah, fine. You you got your stadium, whatever it is, he, he's, and now he's going to make all this money from it. And yeah, if Levy now gets into the stadium and two years down the line, 
he's filled up a swimming pool with gold coins and is swimming around in it like Scrooge McDuck, then yeah, you can have your have your say. But if we're in the stadium, we've got a decent amount of money, we've got we've got a wage bill that can be parallel to some of the other clubs, and he's putting his money where his mouth is, then you have to stand back and say that Daniel Levy's done an unbelievable job as chairman of Tottenham Hotspur. And I think everyone would have to be united in that praise as well. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's difficult to pay Toby Alderweireld 150, 200 grand a week um, based on um, our revenue and all the rest of it. So we can't blame that on Levy, but um, we are living off maybe one really, maybe one or two really good windows in, in Pristina's time. Um, I think in one of those windows we've got um, Ali, Trippiat, Son. Have I got that wrong? I probably have got it wrong somewhere. I've had a drink. But um, in terms of Levy, I think... I think him and Pochettino are a match made in heaven. They, they work well together. And I think it's probably the, 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 the match that he's waiting for. But I think, he's, I think, I think with, with Levy, it seems to be by accident, not by design. With, um, with Redknapp, I don't, think it, I don't think it worked to a point Redknapp, but mm. he kind of fell in his lap and it happened. Sherwood is a fucking shambles. I think you don't get to the position where Levy picked up Spurs to this position by accident. There's going to be problems along the way, but learning from that, learning quickly and fast from the, the mistakes you've made is a normal process in any business and any, any projects. And, and there is no accident to Levy where we are. Levy would always get a side eye for me till the day he leaves our club, always. What do you mean? I would always look at him from the side of my eyes saying, no, I don't know. I don't know about you, man. I don't know about you. Because of Stratford and because of Stratford forever and ever. I oh, know. I appreciate. Yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. I, I, I. There was times where I wouldn't even go to Tottenham over protests about Stratford. I'm completely on board with that, or completely. But we're at a situation now where Poch and Levy love. You know, they, they seem to really get on, and it's such a rare thing for a very good manager to get on with a quite difficult, tempestuous um, chairman. chairman yes. You know, look at I think it was Perez and, and Mourinho. The Mourinho at the time was clearly the best manager in the world. Perez willing to spend untold money because their relationship had broken down it was impossible for Mourinho to do his job I don't there. think Real Madrid what a Galacticus as a manager yeah that maybe not way, but, that's another but you understand that, that by spending £11 million over the last seven years and I'm not saying that's such a great thing because as fans we just want them to spend money and get the best players in so that we can enjoy football but the fact is that they've got £11 million we're in a position where we're finishing second in the league and building a stadium. That's his utopia, really. It is. It is his utopia, and I, and I hope. I, I'm. I'm. Look. It seems a shame that we have to wait for the stadium to be built, go into the new stadium, bed in for Pochettino to get the money, to just spend a couple of hundred million in in, in a summer and and really have a go at the league. In a way, it wasn't just about like plucky Spurs. We've done our best, but look how much money we're spending. As fans, you don't really want to hear that. We can, as, as pragmatic supporters and understanding fans as, as we are and how much we love Pochettino and Levy, it's easy for us to rationalise the fact that we haven't gone on to win the league. And we're fine with it, it's comfortable. But we need to... It would be great. It would just be nice if we hadn't didn't have to rely on Sissoko coming, in, coming on or if we had um, Jesus coming on as a, a backup striker rather than, uh, rather than Janssen. It, I want everything, and, and, and fans want everything. But don't get me wrong, I, I, I think Levy, Levy has done an, an absolutely superb job for the last, uh, well, since he got in there, really. He's done some terrible things. 
don't get me wrong but yes yes anyway what's the what's the next question what okay, have I, missed? I think there's one remaining question Actually, I'll ask I'll ask another one because I think we do want to really answer it Go um, we'll miss the lane for things we saw on the pitch but what are your memories of things that happen in the stand concourses etc type of way put on 12 I like, yeah, I like that question because it made me think of like some quite quirky stuff that had happened throughout my time going to White Hart Lane. Um, something I, man- I mentioned on the pod before was we used to when I was when I was a kid, I used to go with my parents, my sister, and we uh, we sat in the Paxton generally for the first few years. And there was this bloke who would sit in front of us, and we saw him a few times, and he seemed to be as much of a Paul Allen fan as he was Tottenham Hotspur fan. He Paul would, Allen, yeah, he was obsessed with Paul Allen, the right winger. Absolutely obsessed with the guy. Like he would have had a half and half scarf, Paul Allen and Tottenham Hotspur. He would love this guy, and, mo- and like everyone would be singing "Come on, you Spurs," and he would be singing "Come on, Paul Allen, come on, Paul Allen." It was ridiculous how much he supported Paul Allen. That will always stay with me. Another a funny thing that happened that still gets referenced in my house to this day is we were in the shelf. We we're in well East Lower, and we were uh, down like two or three rows from the front, and we were playing. I think it must have been Derby County. When Ashley Ward was playing for them, the striker with long hair. Way back. Way back, Britpop footballer. And this bloke stood up next to me and screamed out when he came over to take, like, take a throw or pick up the ball, Ashley's a bird's name! <laughs> I just thought it was a genius insult. It's like, the guy, I mean, he stared at him and he looked broken inside. Like, it really got to him. And then another thing, I don't know why this came to my head, but we played Watford, it must have been in the late 90s, and... The game got stopped because something ran on the pitch. And everyone was like, what's, what's that run on the pitch? It's weird. And uh, the bloke next to me, tapped, or next to my dad, tapped my dad on the shoulder. And went, that's a stoat, that is. And he identified oh. from the top tier that there was a stoat on the pitch. I, I, I think I remember that. <laughs> that rings a bell, massive. I mean, to have a... Where was this? At Watford? I think it was Tottenham Watford, at White Hart Lane. At White Hart Lane. To have a stoat in North London is a really... Yeah, weird. But the fact that he identified it as well from so far away... But they they do... They have a... I mean, it doesn't matter. Distinctive run. They do have a distinctive kind of leap. Uh, And I I appreciate that you could see that from a while. It was amazing. Uh, It's more amazing that there is a stoat in North London. (laughs) You sure you didn't make it up? Didn't make it up. Okay. And the other thing thing that came to mind was the um, 4,000 Judas Balloons 2001 Sol Campbell. I remember that. Just that will stick with me. I'm genius. I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I just kind of worry about. We're going to go into this a bit more in, in, next week, but I, I just outside the ground when, when everything's much more easily policed. You can't police Park Lane now, which is in a way <laughs> glorious. I, I can't. I'm going to miss that. that, 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 that some of my best memories, I think, back at Leeds away. A Leeds fan just threw a lighter and it just bounced off this geezer's head that was right next to me, and they laughed and we laughed. And it was—I don't know. There's just the, the, the little bits and the little moments that are outside of the football pitch that I'm going to miss greatly about Wiley. Go on, I've I've got one. My doctor is very PC. Go on, whatever. Okay, so um, <laughs> don't, like, don't say it if you want to edit it out later because I'm not doing it. Okay, it's, um, I'm going to say, if you edit it out, then whatever. I ain't going to edit it out. So, Tottenham v Arsenal, youth game, 2009, 100 loyalty points of this game, I think it's 20 loyalty points, actually, for this game. It's where, um, I think it was 1-1 or 3-1. Townsend you lost 3-1. Yeah. Oh, yeah, had, when Bostock was playing. No, 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 Townsend had a blinder in this game. Morshaw played for the Arsenal okay, youth team. Yeah. This is about 2009. Okay. And I'm there, my girlfriend and, and her son. Um, 
and there's a bloke next to us, and he's just sat by. I don't know if he's sat with a couple of mates. He just sees, he sees, he sees an Arsenal fan, and, and he points out one Arsenal fan, and he just says, "Ginger, sit down." So he says it normally. And then within like half an hour, he just screams at the top of his voice, a really high pitched, like Steve Bunch kind of voice, like, Ginger, sit down! <laughs> and he said it over and over. over and so over. he really fixated on the ginger. Yeah. yeah. I think um, I, I, it's I, just, that's one of the great yeah. things about football, how that, that does happen, where you just kind of end up focusing on someone in, in, in the away end. Yeah. And they get untold stick. And uh, yeah, so one of the good things about youth, youth games is that you can you kind of get together and, and uh, you know talk about and focus on things that are not necessarily connected to the football yeah but that's that's what I sort of memories of a while ago because that just kind of um, your best memories are. well it, it sums up I mean just smash the cunt down I think that's it. It, I mean I mean um, obviously not been obviously being offended to Ginger isn't, isn't isn't part of what we do as fans but I think pointing out a fan in an away and just like caning him for an entire game yeah. to a point but didn't sing anymore I think that's that, that's probably one of the moments I love from the old stadium okay anything else no okay that's it from the Fighting Cop podcast we uh, have been joined by Wendy thanks a lot that's been months and months I know I know it's been a while you've got the uh, after inch and, and the youth extra inch yeah sorry the extra inch and the youth pods as well so yeah. you can listen to both of those things they're kind of evergreen sort of yeah yeah it's like yeah, the that's youth the pod idea. sorry what youth pod is isn't it yeah broadly I mean, things will change, obviously, but you, yeah. Yeah, you, I mean, you can go back and listen to the first Youth Pod if you missed it, and it will still make sense if you listen today. That's the general idea, but yeah, it will be outdated by next season. But at the moment, yeah, both both the Youth Pods will be relevant. Mm. And uh, extra hints if you're into your tactics and more philosophical highbrow football chat. It's been really good fun. I've loved, loved doing it. We had Jack Pitbrook on the last one, who yeah. was amazing. Um, really, really good guest. Um, Bardi's great fun to record with. And Nathan's been doing a sterling job as well with the tactical side. So, yeah, absolutely love doing it. And thanks to the guys who come down on the youth pod as well. Carl, as I see it, as always, in my head, it's always like a West Indian accent. Yeah, exactly. Carl, as I see it. And Ben as well. Thank you, guys. It's been... Um, yeah, thanks for coming and being a part of Fine Cock. It's, it's a massive thing. Remember, live show on Wednesday, 24th of May. Uh, we've got Graham Roberts and Mickey Hazard and the Fighting Cock boys we're getting pissed up and we're going to be with you uh, for good old uh, end of season bash and remember uh, Memory Lane uh, which is kind of you know supporting local charity exposure we're, we're screening the game uh, sp- sc- sorry screen- screening the Memory Lane film uh, at Bruce Castle on 11th of June at 1pm uh, okay so we'll see you next week after what will be a, an emotional send off at White Hart Lane. Really? Have you seen the, actually? Have you seen the details? Uh, the the trust have released some minutes about what's going to happen. I've not read the minutes. So there's going to be like a 15, 20 minute gap while they set up a stage on on the pitch, and then the ceremony is going to last about thirty to thirty five minutes. The club have applied for permission for it to be broadcast on Sky. Oh, for fuck's sake! Okay, so that's a good way to end uh, the fighting cop pod. <laughs> Cool.
fuck and we don't give a fuck Like a top draw whore when she don't see box Everybody wanna come and run it But they're funny like a dummy in the bummy or your mummy Fighting cock and we don't give a shit Everybody knows flat baits a prick We can get a sticky in the mini sucking willy When you're getting grilly, yeah, you gotta bang the milli bye, bye. Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.